Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Matthew 26 says this. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman who we know is Mary from the Gospel of John, she came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. This is oil. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We're fulfilling that part of the scripture right now. And even more than remembering what she did, we want to align our lives with her act and follow in her footsteps. So Lord, right now, we give you this time and this moment to speak to your people. God, I pray that you give us the oil, you put it on our head, you put it on our our life, but God, also that we pour out the oil back upon you with our worship. And so Lord, we love you, we honor you, and I, I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church. It's all you, and it's awesome. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. You can have a seat. Today, I wanna speak to you about the anointing oil. My wife and I recently went to a pastor's conference and in order to get in, they were checking everybody's bags. I don't know what they expected us pastors to be bringing, but they were checking. And and they, they stopped my wife and this lady was looking through her purse with that stick thing, you know, that they use at Disney World, you know. And, uh, and she was like, I see something shiny. I see something shiny. She pulls out some keys. I see, I, I, but I see something else. I see something shiny. I, I, I got to look. I got to look. And then she pulls out some change. She says, I see something shiny. I see one more thing, one more thing. And she was digging in there for like, I don't know, felt like five minutes digging in there. Finally, she pulls out a little vessel of oil. And she goes, and this? And my wife goes, oh, that's my weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to tell you today, the oil is your weapon. The oil is your weapon. We struggle not against physical things. Our weapons are not physical things, but they are spiritual things that are powerful and they are effective to pull down supernatural strongholds. Amen? And today, you're going to receive the weapon of oil. And I believe that as you carry this thing with you, you also are going to be carrying not just the oil, but the anointing that comes with it. It is going to be on you. It is going to be with you. And when you go through TSA, they're going to say, what is this? And don't make my wife's joke. (laughs) What is the oil? What does it represent? Well, the anointing oil represents the presence of God. All throughout scripture, from beginning to end, the oil represents the presence of God. The oil represents consecration to God. And the oil represents healing that flows from God. The anointing oil represents the presence of God, 
consecration to God and the healing that flows from God. And today, my hope is to, is to declare to you and over you this truth that the anointing sets you apart. That you have the anointing, that it is from God, and the anointing, the oil of the presence of God sets you apart. And I'm here to declare to you today that you need the oil. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need the oil. You need the oil. Some of you came in here all locked up. You need the oil. One of my dad's favorite illustrations from the Wizard of Oz. You know, when they find the tin man and he's all locked up. And what does he say? Oil. That's you. Some of you came in here and you're locked up. You're bound by a bunch of stuff and you're nervous and your mind is all locked up. But can I tell you what will set you free? It's the oil. And so today, even as I speak, the oil is going to come and it's gonna, God's going to pour it on your lips and you're going to be able to worship God. As you worship the oils, God's going to come and oil these crusty old joints. And when you lift your hands, it's going to worship God. I pray that the oil flows on you and through you and to God. And there begins a cycle of the oil being received and poured out and received and poured out. And your mind becomes free. In the name of Jesus, I pray the oil is on your mind, that it's not filled with darkness or chaos, and there are no birds that get to fly overhead, no dark spirits, but that there's just an open heaven from God over you wherever you go. It might be raining everywhere else, but I hope there's a cloud that opens up right over you, the sun shining. There's a gateway to heaven. You got the oil. I know a pastor that he plays worship in his home 24-7 because he has a lot of physical body issues. And so what he says is I want worship in my home because every single day I need fresh oil on my mind, in my body, in my spirit. I'll tell you, you are in the right place if you need some oil. You're in the right place if you need the presence. You're around the right people if you need some anointing and you serve the right God. He's coming for you today. You might say, I don't even understand it all. Well, I don't know if you could serve God your whole life and still even understand it all, but we're gonna have faith in the presence of God, in the power of God, in the fruitfulness of God and say, God, if you've got it to give, we want it to receive. Do you want the anointing oil? Do you want the anointing oil this Sunday morning? There are three things you need to understand about the oil of God's presence. Three things you have to understand about what it is to be anointed. The first is that the anointing oil is biblical. First and foremost, the anointing oil is biblical. In fact, the very first person we see be anointed with oil was Aaron, the brother of Moses, And he was anointed by the hand of Moses. This is all the way in the beginning uh, uh, scriptures of the Bible where God is setting Aaron apart. What does the oil do? What does the anointing do? It sets you apart. And so God is setting Aaron apart and speaks to Moses and tells him, anoint your brother. Because I've got a mission for him. I've got a purpose for him. I've got a ministry for him. And hear me, so God has a mission for you. He has a purpose and a ministry for you. This is the revelation that we've received from Martin Luther. When he began the Reformation, one of the doctrines he reintroduced is called the priesthood of all believers. 
Because see, at that time, there was a chasm between the holy and the normal. There was a chasm between the priests and the people. But Luther read in the Bible that once Jesus becomes our high priest, we all follow in that order. That, that it's good to have a pastor and it's necessary and bishops and people of honor and people, great teachers. But make no mistake, you are called to be a priest. You are called to be a minister. You are the priesthood of your home. You are the priest of your lineage. You are the priest in your marriage. And, and Martin Luther brought this back and saying, no, it's not just for them. It's for us too. See, the word is not just for the select few. Back in the time of the Reformation, they literally chained the Bible to the pulpit because no one else could get it. Make no mistake, the weapon of the word is meant for you, and the weapon of the oil is meant for you. That every single day, your life can be driven by the presence of the Lord. It began with Aaron. God says, set him apart to be a high priest. And the Bible says in the book of Leviticus, he sprinkled some of the oil, this is Moses, on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils, and the basin with its stand, why? To consecrate them. The oil can get on things that God wants to use. So, so, so know this. God anoints the tent of meeting, he anoints the ark, and he anoints everything around it. And then he moves on to the people. He anoints the place, and now he's going to anoint the person. Look at this. It goes on to say, and then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, and he anointed him. Why? 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 You need to be consecrated. You need to be consecrated. This isn't just for Aaron. This is for you. This isn't just for then. This is for now. You need to be consecrated. And I'm going to give you a vessel of oil, and I hope you go home and you consecrate your home. You pour some oil on your home, on the doorposts of your home. Put it on the front door, put it on the back door, and consecrate it. Say, this now is the house of the Lord. I don't know who lived here before. I don't know what they did. But I'm living here now, and I'm a priest, and this is God's house. Can you say amen? amen. Hear me today. God desires to anoint you. He wants to set you apart. He wants to consecrate you for a special work, which is the work of the ministry. Now, the anointing oil is not superstition. It's not superstitious. It's not, it's not your sign. It's not your astrological features. The anointing oil is not a pagan ritual. It's not a strange thing. You're not, you know, you, everybody's got that one weird friend that burns that odd stuff in their house, you know? That's not what we're talking about. It's not those weird crystals that your crazy aunt gave you. The anointing oil is not CBD oil. Some, some guy in the back is like, oh, dang it. What am I doing? It's not some strange thing. It's biblical. It started with Aaron. It goes through Jesus. And then you know what James says? James says, if you are sick, call the elders that they might pray for you and what? Anoint you with oil. Anoint you with oil. Which means it was for the New Testament church, which we are a continuation of. It is for us. It is for now. And today, some of the elders of the house are going to anoint you with oil. David was anointed. When Samuel 
heard from God that it's time for David to become king, he took a flask of oil, horn of oil, and he poured it on the head of David and he anointed him for leadership. He says, no longer are you just shepherd. You're entering into a new season and so I'm gonna consecrate you for the new mission, the new ministry that God has given you. So he pours the oil upon David and David says in Psalm 23, you, you anoint my head with oil. See, Samuel poured the oil, but it was God that anointed David. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's not man that's going to anoint you today. It's God that's going to anoint you today. And because it's God, no man may undo what God has determined to do. You're anointed. But my question for you today is, do you want the anointing oil? It is both spiritual, supernatural, and symbolic at the same time. Much like communion. It is supernatural and symbolic at the same time. It is a great mystery, but it is in the word of God. And it was for God's people. Therefore, it's, it's for us. Do you know that Jesus was anointed? That's what, that's what we just read in this story. He was anointed for the last great act of his earthly ministry. He was reclining at the table in Bethany six days before the crucifixion. And, and God sends Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and she, she comes in gratefulness for the fact that her brother was just raised from the dead. And she comes before Jesus into the house, and the Bible says that she is carrying oil with her. My question for you today is, are you carrying the oil? Do you have the oil of God's presence? Do you have the oil? If you don't, here's the good news. God will give you the oil. As much as you need, he will pour out, but for a purpose. What purpose is that? Well, Mary comes before Jesus, and the Bible says that she breaks the jar, the very costly alabaster jar of oil, and she pours it out on Jesus' head as he reclines at the table. Second thing you need to understand about the oil is that worship releases the anointing oil. She breaks the jar. And she pours it out over Jesus. The Bible says, as he reclined at the table. In other words, this wasn't even a worship service. They were just eating. Jesus, was not, Jesus wasn't demanding. He was not doing anything. And yet she, of her own volition, said, but yet I am choosing right now to worship you. I pray that we have this kind of, this kind of approach to God, that we worship as he reclines. I don't worship to get from God. We don't worship to receive from God. We worship because he's worthy. Lord, you recline. We're going to worship. If God did not do one more thing for me, he would still be worthy of my worship. If there was not one more miracle, not one more answered prayer in your life, know this, he would still be worthy of your worship. So even as he reclines, she comes forward, breaks the oil that she's carrying. The Bible says very costly. And she poured it over Jesus. Worship releases, unlocks the oil. And you have to understand this. There has never, ever been a time where you, where you pour oil on someone and, yourself, and, and don't yourself receive the oil. Every time you pour the oil, it gets back on you. It gets back on you. The Bible says that the oil runs, remember, not just, it runs down the beard of Aaron. It started on the head, but it runs down the beard. 
and it gets on his robes. And, and the Bible's saying this is a picture of that the oil begins to move from the head onto everybody. How, how good it is when brothers dwell in unity. The oil brings unity. It brings unity. And this is, man, that's a whole sermon for another time. It's so powerful. I think sometimes people become crusty and angry and vicious because they don't have the oil. They might even have the word but they don't have the oil. So they hate everybody, they hate every other ministry, they dislike every other person, they don't like that church, they're not against this, everyone else's doctrine is wrong. It's like, you know what you need, bro? You do not need one more doctrine class. You need a worship class. You need an altar. You need the oil. The oil brings unity into the home, the oil brings unity into the marriage, the oil brings unity in with your children, if your children are a long way off, start pouring the oil, pray in the presence, and see what God will do. And so, so, so as she worships, she pours the oil on Jesus' head, and it begins to run down his beard. It gets on his, gets on his robe. It fills the room. The Bible says that the fragrance gets on everyone that's in the room because there's no way your worship doesn't affect other people. And true worship is always an offering. Worship releases the anointing oil, and true worship is always an offering, which means this, that the anointing will have a cost. This is the part where no one says amen. <laughs> but the anointing is costly. She pours out the alabaster jar. Some estimates are that it was worth 50,000 plus in today's money. It was an astronomical amount. All of her life, she pours out upon Jesus. It's very costly. And the truth is, the anointing has a cost. The anointing of God might cost you your dignity. You say, this, this is weird. This is kind of odd. That's the cost. You want the supernatural to be like the natural? Nah. No, it's going to be a little odd. It's going to be a little weird. But I pray that thing breaks off you because you want the oil more than you want to feel normal. I've had normal. I want the oil. Oil will have a cost. Oil might cost you your dignity and it might cost you your reputation. The oil might cost you your resources. It might cost of you. Begins to bring you into a place of sacrifice. Just like Jesus is entering into. He's anointed to become the great sacrifice. And that's where oil moves you into. The question I have for you is, can you pour out your worship even when your dream hasn't come true? Can you pour out your worship and continue to pour out your worship when maybe your expectations are unmet? Can you pour out your worship even when everyone else in the room doesn't understand it? I mean, it was amazing to see this baptism when, when, when he said, when Sam said that I, I dropped away from God because of the peer pressure, but here I am today to publicly profess my faith. The anointing will cost you. It might cost you some friends. It might cost you some opportunities. It might cost you some money. It might cost you, but it's worth the cost. It's so much more worthy than anything else in your life. The presence is worth the pursuit no matter how long it takes, no matter how much it takes. Our church, we've been gathering every Wednesday and we've been praying and worshiping at six o'clock. We've been fasting all day. And, and I've been doing a liquid fast. And let me tell you, it's a real cost. But every Wednesday night, it's like the oil. Just, it's like God's got a 55-gallon drum and just starts pouring it. 
And you say there must be a correlation between the cost and the outpouring of the oil. Can you pour out your worship even when you are in a place of lack? This is holy and it gets God's attention and know that it kickstarts some supernatural things. Paul says in Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. He's saying sacrifice is your worship. There will never be the flow without the crushing. And there will never ever be the fragrance without the breaking. But if Jesus needed the oil, you need the oil. If Aaron received the oil, we should get the oil on our lives. And it's interesting to know as this very powerful worship service is going on in the house, um, there's different reactions around the room. And the Bible says that the disciples' reaction was negative. But John actually tells us the specific disciple. He says Judas's reaction. Because John's like, I'm not being lumped in with this dude. Matthew's like, some of the disciples had a bad reaction, and John comes along and is like, some? One. <laughs> One guy, Judas. And then he goes on, if you read John, I think it's John 12, he goes, by the way, Judas, the one that was going to betray him, and the only reason he had an issue with all of it, because he was a, a thief and he wanted the money for himself. <laughs> John just buries him. <laughs> I love how personal John felt, protective of Jesus, you know? It's so awesome to see the friendship in there. What was Judas's reaction to the oil phone? He says, why this waste? This is a waste of resources. This is a waste of time. This is a waste of what this money could do. He says, this should be sold and given to the poor, as if Judas cared about the poor. As if. And Jesus says, don't worry, Judas. The poor you'll have with you always. I'm sure you're going to do a lot of work for them. But he says, but I'm only here right now. This is a moment where where you can worship me in, in a certain way. And what she's doing honors me. I, you know, as much as I want to judge Judas, sometimes I hear his voice rise up. It's the voice of the flesh. Why this waste? Why, why are you doing this? And, and the enemy will even try and come, or even sometimes yourself. Why am, I, why am I pouring out so much? Why am I giving so much? Maybe it's a member of your family that just doesn't understand it. Why are you always at that church? Why, why do you serve? What do you get out of it? What does get have to do with it? I don't serve because I get. I serve because he gave. I serve in response. If God gives me the oil, it's only so that I can pour it out. But you gotta have the oil. You gotta have the oil. And, 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 and Judas focused on the wrong thing. The spirit of Judas always sees an act of worship as waste. And, and the seed there is before he betrays Jesus, he was worried about everything else but Jesus. And it goes to show that he loved money more than he loved his master. And when that begins to rise up in you, you get to check that. Because that's the spirit of Judas, but we want the heart of David, which says, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. I'm willing to pay the price to receive the anointing. And can I tell you a secret, just a secret about how the anointing even really works? The truth is, after you've received the oil from God and you pour out the oil to God, you will never, ever run out of the oil if you choose to pour it out. 
This is what the widow of Zarephath understood when Elijah came and he said, give me your last little bit of oil. And she says, I can't. If I give it to you, me and my son are gonna die. This is all we have, one last meal. And Elijah said, do it by faith. And I promise you, if you give me the last little bit that you have, the oil will never run out. And even though there was a drought for three years all around her in the house, the flour never ran out and the oil never ran out. And I wanna tell you, in the house, no matter what's happening out there, in here, we are under a different kingdom and a different covering. And as you pour out, the oil will flow. As you pour out, the oil will flow. You're gonna have extra oil. You're gonna have extra oil. You're not unprepared. It's not dried up. You're gonna have enough oil for yourself and for those around you, for those in your home. Your children might not understand what the anointing oil is, but you got enough for you and for them. And when it comes time, They'll receive the oil for themselves. But as long as you're in my house, you got the oil on you, young man. You got the oil on you, young woman. I'd encourage you to pour out the anointing oil. And God will pour in. And we're going to come to a close in a moment, but you can, you can sit down. And, and so all the reaction was so negative. But Jesus, he sees the beauty in this worship. He, he says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. What has she done? She, she has anointed him for burial. See, Jesus knew the hour, he knew the time, and he knew he was stepping into the next area of his ministry. And he, and he says, you know, um, without her, we might be missing this, but God sends Mary to anoint me for burial. But also, she's anointing him, and, and I don't want you to miss this, she's anointing him to consecrate him for the sacrifice that he's about to make. And even more than that, don't forget, he's not just the sacrifice. Jesus is our high priest, Jesus is our Aaron. The Bible says we do not have a high priest that cannot empathize with us, but he was tested and tried in all ways, yet he sinned not. And because of his sinless life, we can boldly approach the throne of grace because we have a high priest that made access. So she consecrates him as the sacrifice, but she also consecrates him as the high priest. And there is no other high priest but Jesus. He is our first. He is our all. But you have to understand this. When you come under Jesus, come under his covering, you become a priest in his lineage. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe, verse 9, he says, but you, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Verse 10, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Aaron was anointed. David was anointed. Jesus was anointed. James says, call those that have a need and anoint them. And make no mistake, you stand in the lineage of these priests and you represent Jesus now for your home for your home. And make no mistake, if you do not become the priest of your home, something, or someone, they will. Might be a teacher, might be an influencer, might be a program, but, but the enemy will fill that void if you allow that void. And the reality is, in the past decade, something happened where, where the church, the people, we, we kind of, we, maybe we lost Maybe we lost our sense that we alone are anointed to lead our house. You know how they say, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid. It's not true. You're the priest of your house. And if there's any village, let it be the church. 
But, but the village is not the public government schools. And the village is not your weird aunt. Say, Jordan, you're getting off track. No, I'm not. I'm actually not. What I'm saying is that your house should be God's, that you stand at the front door as the priest, that there's an open heaven above it and below it, and that it's consecrated, and that anyone or anything in it is consecrated because you consecrate it. We stand in the lineage of the high priest, and we lead our home. You're the teacher of your home. Do you know that the Bible says to pastors, if you can't control your home, don't bother. Even worse than that, you're disqualified from being a pastor over God's house. Don't you think it's amazing that one of the qualifications of leading in God's house is being a good leader in your house? That's how God looks down and he sees your home. And that's how God looks down and he sees you. But today, we have good news. You are gonna be anointed as priests in your home. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people of his own possession. And we're gonna anoint you today to minister. Minister before the Lord and minister in your home. And so in a moment, I'm gonna call the elders and some of the, the pastors and leaders of our church down and they're gonna anoint you with oil and they're gonna consecrate you to the Holy Spirit. And I've heard this phrase today, this is a significant act. This is a significant act. Something that's just marked in the supernatural over your life. And, and in this moment, and I, I, so you're gonna be anointed and then even more than that, we're gonna give you oil for you to take home and to anoint your house. You know, just, just like the, they put the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death passed over, but there was life on the inside. Consecrate your home. I, I, I was talking to a friend recently, and he, he bought a, a, a beautiful new home, and he was inspecting it the first time through, and, and in one of the corners of one of the rooms, he found this, like, water, this mildew, and he said, oh, my goodness, the roof is leaking. He went into the next room, and it was in that room, too, and he said, the roof's leaking everywhere. He went into the third room, and he found his wife in the corner of the room pouring oil. <laughs> Consecrating the house. I want you to go home and consecrate the house. <laughs> Invite the Holy Spirit in. Remove anything of any other spirit. And pray the prayer of consecration. My question for you today is, do you want to be anointed? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.